Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to another fabulous episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. In the event you didn't realize it as you open this up, this is our 100th episode. I'm excited for it because we get to go back and pick a couple of our top five moments. Sam is excited because he has a standing desk and is literally dancing as we're recording. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. If you're on the... Uh... If you were on the space book a couple of weeks ago, you saw me with uh, posting pictures of parts all over my basement floor and uh, it's all together now and it works and it seems to be sturdy. So I'm pretty stoked. So with that, Lucas, drop in whatever sound effect you want. And then we're going to go and talk about our top five moments over the last hundred episodes. So first and foremost, Drew, a hundred episodes. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, would you have thought... I guess, what are we into this now? Uh, 30-ish months? Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. Would you have thought 30 months ago when when uh, we decided to do this, that we'd still be, do- first of all, that we'd still be doing it 30 months later? Honestly, no. There's there's no way that uh, that was anywhere that we'd still be doing it this far in. Right? And then 100 episodes. And I think we've both gone through some times over the last 30 months where if the other one hadn't said, no, let's do another one, we'd have been like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, it's such a weird thing because for those that listen, you hear us talk for a half hour once a week now, but this is a grind sometimes. You and I are busy and finding it doesn't take an hour because we do actually do a little bit of show prep and there's stuff that we then are like, wait, cut that last five minutes because that doesn't make any sense. So you hear a 30 minute episode and it probably takes us an hour to record it. And if I'm on a plane, we're not recording. If Sam's in a car, we're not recording. If we're in class, we're not recording. And all of a sudden we're losing whole weeks where we can't record, which means, oh, good. We're both home. Now we're going to record for four straight hours. And that's a grind, too. So, yeah, there have been plenty of days where it's just like, nah. you know, I would say much like anything that ends up being worth it there's always a grind in things that are worth it think about our folks out there running pizza stores that can become a grind but as long as you stick to the grind and you stick to it and you just don't quit good things come out of it and i think we're starting at least when i'm in workshops i'm starting to have more and more people walk up before i say anything at all about the podcast and just have such kind words to say and that makes the grind much easier to push through that it does it's really nice when we get the emails when they come to us in the class when we're in a store 
Um, it's also absolutely terrifying when they're like, I listen to you guys every day when I open a store. No, please don't. Um, I mean, but thank you. I, I think to myself, really? On purpose? You listen? We're just so grateful. It's really great. So during the pregame coin toss, yes. you won. Yes. And uh, so you can either kick or receive and start this game off. Would you like to hit us off with the first one in your list? You know, I don't understand the whole deferment thing. I always want the ball and I want to take the lead. I, I want to always play from ahead. I think there's a good argument for that. I mean, it seems like a lot of the times that when teams defer, they end up getting the ball towards the end of the first half and then they get it again in the second half, which seems to work out for them. But I don't know why. That's no different than the whole baseball thing of, of they made a great play in the, in the field and now they're coming up to bat. There's a 33% chance they'll bat the next inning. In football, there's a 50% chance you have the ball at the end of the game, at the end of the half. If you're, I'd rather just start with the ball and, and just have a lead and make you chase me the whole game. Well, that sounds like you're going to start this game then and tell us uh, your five favorite episodes of the past 30 months. And just for our listeners' sake, mine are not in order. Oh, mine are not either. No, no, no. So start us off, buddy. So my first one, um, I'm actually not sure what episode it is because in my notes, I don't have an episode number next to it. I am totally going with Stephanie Sigwald telling us that there's a drinking game. Oh, right, right, right. And the Purple Monkey Dishwasher was just kind of an add-on to that. I'm looking for it right now so our listeners can go back and listen to that. I mean, the title, the title of the episode is Purple Monkey Dishwasher. It is. I can't remember if it was 15 or 16 because in my notes, I have episode 15 and then I have an episode 16 and I have two interviews between them. So that was when we were doing long form podcasts. So we were doing episodes and interviews all intermixed. So it was episode 19 from our crack research staff. Fabulous. September 20th of 2021. So Lucas, go for it. Let's go back to the deployments, if you would. Less about the individual deployments or the the pieces of it, but how you interact with the store. How do you build that plan to help create that change and work the stores through that change? All about how the message is communicated. I'm a big fan of being honest about different rollouts and different changes. You got to tell them why, so what's in it for them, and then what it actually is going to be like. Because cutting edge, as amazing as it is, as many perks as you get from it, it sucks the first two weeks. It is not an easy transition. (laughs) And you just got to be honest about it and tell them like, hey, look, Friday is going to suck. Like you might have it by yourself when it's just that. But let's work through what it's going to be like so that you're prepared for when it's the worst. And then once you get through that, it's just going to get easier and easier. So it's all about communication. And then a really key point with rolling out anything is going to be the follow-up. You got to go back and see how it's doing because a lot of the message between team members can get misconstrued. Like if you've ever played telephone where, you know, you start out with Domino's is the best pizza company in the world and it ends up with 
purple monkey dishwasher like it kind of <laughs> changes there so you have to go back and check and make sure that every team member got the right message purple monkey dishwasher just out of thin air we go from dominus is the best to purple monkey dishwasher that may have been the best thing ever and uh, Drew, I agree. He just texted me that you probably can't, oh, you, you can see it, stuff. but the name of this episode is now officially Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Yeah, without I a doubt. It. Yeah, uh, that, that wins. Yeah. Just wow. FYI, it's kind of a Simpsons quote. I don't know if y'all watch Simpsons. Well, it's a Stephanie quote as far as I'm concerned now. I approve that message. Sam, what's yours? So I'm going to hit you off with you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and not only are we going to talk about your and I's favorite uh, top five episodes from the last two and a half years, but for some reason, what's been rolling around in my head is who I would put on my Mount Rushmore of franchisees. So I'm going to start with one that absolutely has a place on my Mount Rushmore of franchisees, and I was fortunate enough to do some work with this guy and I've seen him speak a couple of times and he's, he's simply amazing when it comes to engaging the crowd. His story is fabulous and he's quite possibly one of the nicest guys that I've run across in my 40 years with Domino's pizza. He's a chairman circle hall of fame winner. And this is going back to episode number 27 when we had the pleasure of speaking with Jason Shiflett from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Jason went on and on and on about all good things, but I've got a special clip I want to play for the listeners, and I'll hear that right after you tell me anything you recall about the Jason Shiflett interview that we had. All right, so for our listeners, I'm going to open up the curtain and you're going to see the wizard for a moment. We do our podcast in Zoom. We record a Zoom. When we have someone like Jason on, Sam and I are not together. Jason is clearly not with us. But Sam and I have a chat going back and forth sometimes because we want to make sure if we hear something that the other one follows up on it. And back then, I believe the chat looked like something like, Sam, can I go? <laughs> Sam, is it my turn to talk? Sam? Hey, Sam, I'm still here. I think that was the start of us alternating questions when we talk to people. Because if I remember correctly, you went for like 30 straight minutes. I would love to argue with you right now, but you're right. I don't want to screw up the podcast, so I don't talk over people because I know it creates an issue for Lucas. It creates an issue for the listener. So I'm not going to talk over people. So I'm just going to let Sam go, but I'm going to put those comments in. Hey, hey, hey. And at some point, he'll listen. Now, I think we have a good back and forth. If you listen to the Sardique episode, if you watch the video, once it's posted on YouTube, you'll see it where I just start laughing because Sam goes four straight questions on Sardique and does it again and just rolls right through. And I'm like, of course, here we go again, because when he gets excited, he can't stop talking. So me doing this right now in the middle of his segment is actually amazeballs. I mean, it really is. And again, I'd like to argue with you, but you're just not wrong because I do have the gift of gab. So Lucas, uh, drop us that sound from our Jason Shiflet interview from episode number 
27 of February 14th, 2022. So immediately the wheels were turning and I was thinking, you know, how can I make a store make money? You know? Um, so I take the manager's reference guide. You remember that big book that we had in the back of the stores, right? It wasn't on CD-ROM back then. It wasn't online. That didn't exist. I took that home. I lived with my parents when I was not in the dorms or apartment at college. And, um, and I read it in one night, I stayed up and read all of the manager's reference guide. And I learned so much, all the standards that I didn't really know. I mean, we, we obviously followed them, but I didn't understand, you know, what the genesis was behind it. There was also these pro tips, these best practices at the time about wings. I remember vividly this, uh, we had squeeze bottles used to be with wings, you know, you'd have to take them out of the oven, put them in a bucket, pump it, put the lid on it, shake it, dump it. And somebody came up with the idea of putting them in squeeze bottles, you know? So all of this stuff was just exciting to me. So the day one, I walk into the store, the first store, you know, I come in and there was about six people that were present because I called a crew meeting, you know, and this ended up being, I believe the day after Thanksgiving, I called a crew meeting and uh, everybody's looking at me and I'm this young kid saying, we're going to make this store in Senatobia, Mississippi, the best Domino's pizza store that ever existed. And they were just like, yeah, right. You know? And I said, no, we're, we're absolutely going to do it. You know, I understand we may not have the, the newest store, the latest equipment. You know, this is a classic car. The store was open in 1991, I believe. This is 1996. But, you know, we're, we're going to turn it into something that everybody can be proud of. And they were all nodded their head and kind of left. And then I stayed in the store. Mind you, it wasn't open for lunch, right, uh, that day. And uh, I stayed and cleaned the store myself, you know. Uh, went to, to Walmart or the, or the Dollar General and got supplies and just scrubbed it. A few hours later, some of the insiders came by the store and said, hey, can, can we help? I said, well, I'm cleaning bathrooms, scrubbing walls, but sure, jump in. And while we're doing that, I'm building a relationship with them. Not even intentionally. It's just kind of what we do, right? They saw with me not doing anything I didn't ask them to do, right? And treating uh, the store with respect and pride enough for me to scrub it, something that they could attach to, I think. It built a lot of enthusiasm with what it was about. I mean, I talked to him and said, look, we're going to focus on three things. That's all I'd ever been trained. I think that's still relevant today. We're going to have the great product, right? We're going to have food that we're proud of. We're going to have a store that's clean, you know, lickably clean, if you will. Uh, our image is going to be fantastic. I'm going to provide you a uniform, but we're going to look good. We're going to feel good. And we're going to give service that's second to none. Please, yes, ma'am, yes, or thank you. Uh, we're going to deliver the pizza in 20, 25, less than 30 minutes. We're going to operate as if we had the 30-minute guarantee. But we're just going to focus on the basics. And then I just backed it up. I mean, mind you, we were doing shifts, even opening at 4 o'clock to midnight in a um, community college town that would be $250, $350 a day. You know, I mean, that's not a lot of orders. And I could not afford to even have an insider at times, right? So imagine propping the front door of the store open. After you have everything set up, the phone's not ringing. Nobody's coming into the store and you're running outside to the front and, and banner shaking, right? Banner shaking until the phone rings and you run back, answer the phone, make the pizzas, do all that fun stuff, right? And repeat it. I mean, going to the super Walmart that just opened in town and windshielding all the cars, you know, an hour and a half before you open just to get traction, right? You go down the aisle. By the time you go back, there's a new set of cars because that was the only place to shop in town, if you will. I mean, really fighting and going after sales. And my team felt that. So when the phone rang, they would attack it in one ring. You know, they would answer it. Wow, thanks for calling Domino's Pizza where we love our customers because we really did and do love our customers. You know, having pride when we make those pizzas. 
They could see that. They could sense that. Drivers running to the door, drivers calling out the times, everything that I'd always experienced. Uh, and fortunately enough for me, I had started in 1991 when we had the 30-minute guarantee for a small period of time when I was with Domino's. I remember seeing on the news, Channel 5, NBC, highlighting UPS drivers and Domino's Pizza drivers, and they would run to the house, right? They would run back to their car. I was just enamored by that. And I learned that there was, you know, there was no other way other than hustle. I mean, I remember my first shift being called into Domino's Pizza. Um, you know, they were going to have lates and they needed me to come in and help help run the store, even though I maybe wasn't certified to run a shift yet, but they wanted to save the lates, right? They wanted to take care of the customers. So, you know, to answer your question, that's a long way of saying, you know, um, I just practiced what I I preached, you know, I, um, I focused on the basics. I did it. And I think people saw that and they bought into it. It wasn't so much what I said. Uh, however, I did say it, I laid out expectations, right. But I walked the walk and, um, people, people followed it. Speed of the leader, speed of the crew. Right. All right, Sam. I think it's back to me now. I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to sit here. I don't think we actually have sound for it. But I know that we have sound for it because we mentioned it at the start of the podcast. And so this one, again, tons of show prep here. I, I have a one note and we, I have tracked of, I keep track of what we were doing. And starting in episode seven, after the theme of the episode or the title of the episode, every one of my notes starting at episode seven has tell Sam to hit record. Oh, Lord. And that would be because in episode six, this is why there might not be sound. There might not may not be a soundbite for Lucas from Lucas, except for the fact that I think we talked about it at the start of episode six. We recorded the entirety, ninety plus minutes of episode six, and then went. We should hit record. And when Drew says, "Then we went," he's being super kind because I'm in charge of pushing the record button. And I think, if memory serves me. There's a chance I practiced my expletives that day. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, um, some, some light cussing that day on both our parts. And we weren't really happy with either one of us at that point because neither one of us was really paying attention. That would be my second one. Um, going way back into the beginning and it's not as cool as your franchise Mount Rushmore. It was good for a laugh because as I remember, our second take was good. I mean, I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was horrible. No. And, you know, I'm big in in never telling them what they don't know, but you already told them. I think our first take was amazing. But only you and I will know. But that's why we were so mad, because it was actually really good. I think we were basking in the in the sunlight of what was a great episode. And then I looked down and said, uh, oh, by the way. Yeah. So there's there's mine. Yeah. So, Lucas, um, don't drop any sound because we don't have it. <laughs> Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Take two, we are actually recording. We had just a wonderful full-dressed rehearsal just a moment ago because there's a chance someone didn't press the record button. But without further ado, and now that we've both had a chance to make sure that we're recording, welcome to episode seven of Drew and Sam Talk Training. So 
Wow. My, the, my uh, stuff will get serious here coming up, but uh, those two for me always, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, how many times have we mentioned Stephanie? And then how many times have I had to tell you that it records it? So, yeah. In my defense, not not much at all lately. And we are recording now. Yeah, I know. I know. And and you have done an, a magnificent job of it the last six-ish months. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Only took me two years to figure it out. All right. I guess I'm up. So you went all the way back to episode six. I'm going to go back a little farther. Are you taking what my next one was? Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to, I'm going to switch directions then. Cause I don't want to take it from you. No, 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 no. It's okay. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm going to go all the way back to episode number one, uh, back in the, in the long range days, back when we thought more was more. And as trainers, we should know that that's not the case. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So episode one, well, first of all, it was a good moment for Drew and Sam talk training because it was episode one in and of itself. But I would say we started off with a pretty high bar. We did our book review with one of the books that we both are just super in love with. The Energy Bus. We introduced John Gordon to the audience. Uh, By the way, John, if you're listening, we are still on the hunt and we are very persistent. Uh, The Energy Bus, which was given to me by uh, franchisee Nick Birch. Thanks, Nick. And then we had a franchisee on that uh, doesn't suck. No. And I'll tell you what. Okay. So I thought you were going to go with a different franchisee. I thought you were going to go for, I think it was episode four. I had Kevin on, on my list because there was no reason for him to say yes to this. Right. You and I had no idea what we were doing. I am nearly certain. Well, at that point I had like no equipment. Right. And you could hear that on the episode. Yeah. 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 Like there's no reason for him to say yes and every reason for him to say no. And he is just such an amazing guy. And it's just like, yeah, sure. Let's talk. I think one of the things that has surprised me most about the first 99 episodes are the number of people that have said yes. I mean, so far we've only got one no, and it's not even a hard no. It's uh, we'll put you on the list and it's uh, the world's most sought after female speaker. And we're technically on Lencioni's list too, but he keeps writing books and touring. We're still swinging for the fences, but holy cow, our first time up to bat, we ask for Shaw Dog to come on and he comes on and much like he is in real life, he was just amazing. And the thing that I liked best, Drew, and you, you, you chime in with what you liked best, but he talked about the, the power of positive energy and we were reviewing the energy bus. It was amazing. Like he had no idea what book we were doing and he just. So I've got a little clip I want to play and uh, I'll let the listeners listen to that and get a little piece of Kevin Shaw again. But Shaw, if you're listening, dude, thank you so much for helping us kick this thing off. And, you know, I think we will be forever indebted to you for being just an amazing guest on episode one. We can't thank you enough. Sam and I did a book review, The Energy Bus by John Gordon, and it talks about finding that positive energy. Uh, as a franchisee, I, I found that you have some positive energy, Kevin. Um, can you tell us how positive energy ties into how you do business? Yeah, I mean, to me, everything starts there. You know, you, you, you got to wake up 
and and you got to find the positive in everything. And and we really try to do that. We try to drive from that place. I, I think that's that's where the foundation of any success starts is with a positive attitude and positive energy. For your franchise, you have a, a company culture, a vision kind of thing. Is positive energy part of that? It is absolutely. It is a foundation of of our core values that we practice daily. Nice, Kevin. When you say you practice those every day, you know somebody from the outside looking at Kevin Shaw, and he's got all these stores, and he always seems happy. I mean, do you wake up every single day with no problems, and and this positive energy just comes naturally, or is it something that you've got to consciously think about and make sure that you're leading your team by the example that you want them to be yeah. putting in front of their customers? Yeah, great point. No, we have lots of problems. We have lots of things we work on. We have lots of challenges and obstacles. And I think what helps you get past those challenges and obstacles is going at them with a positive attitude and with positive energy and honestly, kind of passion ties in very closely there. And so every day I, I try to find the positive that, that we are uh, performing in and use that energy to maybe turn some of those challenges and obstacles into a positive or at least knock them out of the way. That's great. It sounds like you spend a lot of time feeding that positive dog, as John Gordon would say in the book. Yeah. (laughs) But we've all got to do. And I can tell you from being in your stores, being around your team, that's exactly how your franchise works. And that positive energy feeds into your stores. I think you're up, dude. It's me again, huh? You, You know what I feel like we're at? We're, we're like at the NFL draft and I've got my list here and I'm trying to decide who I want next once I'm on the clock. So Drew Helmholtz from Dexter, Michigan, you are officially on the clock. I am on the clock. I, I'm, I'm trying to find where this, uh, this episode was because I'll just be honest. My, my notes have gotten less and less over the last probably 30 episodes. My notes completely stopped after the first 30 episodes. I'm hooked up to the Google right now. So if you give me an idea. We had a numbering issue where you and I were off. And so I think it was episode 68. Okay. And and this one worked for me because this is, this is Don May came to us at Rally and said, I want to be back on your podcast. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The story's so much better than that. And it was uh, episode 71. 71. I, had, I have a 68 with a question mark. Like I said, I know the numbering is all screwy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had some numbering issues and I, I completely blame me. So do you mind if I tell the Don Main story? No, please do. So we're at the rally and we're at the after party. And I see Don and Don has always been just amazingly cordial. Super nice guy. By the way, also on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I know. So that's why I figured that was the episode you were going for first, but it's a continuum. There's two on my Mount Rushmore, but I walk up to Don because Carrie, his sister, had told us that Don's wife is a friend, not an acquaintance, a friend of John Gordon's wife. Correct. So I thought, here we go. You're, you're going to use a connection to try and get a connection. Correct. I say to Don, I hear you know John Gordon. To which he says, yes. And I said, we would love to get him on the podcast. And Don looks at me and he says, well, you know who you should have on the podcast again is me. And I looked at him and I said, 
I happen to know the guy that does the scheduling. I think I can make that happen. <laughs> now, it took us almost, I don't know, eight or nine months. No, not quite that long, but oh, uh, maybe. It was, it, well, listen, the episode dropped. October, November. The episode dropped in January. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because we had the scheduling issues in October, November. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, I mean, Don's a busy guy, uh, but he is, he is so generous with the time that he has. And he's been kind enough to visit with us twice, but yeah, absolutely. Episode 71 with his sister, Carrie, what, what did you really like about that episode? So the reason that that it hits for me is that it was somebody of of stature that wanted to come back on. It, it's one thing, Sam, for you and I to say, "Yo, Drew, I think we should be on the podcast again because it's the two of us and we kind of do this every week, right?" It's another thing for Don May and his thirty six different time zones he might be in. Yes, I know there's not that many for him to tell you, "You have to have me back on." I mean, it's kind of one of those, uh, we said it with Sardique, right? We like reading the books where we're already doing something and the book kind of reinforces it. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something right. And I'm doing a good job. Right. Don saying I need to come back on was exactly that moment was, oh my gosh, we must be doing a good job. Yeah. And I think he hit for me when he was on with us, he hit a couple of things that were extremely timely and extremely important. Oh my gosh. Going through the whole pay and price change and all that. That was bingo. I know you and I have talked about it, the number of clients where we have conversations like that with them anyway, it was perfect because now in those conversations, we can say, oh, and by the way, Don May agrees with us. <laughs> Globally right now, inflation is global. It's variable in different markets, but it's a global phenomenon. It's not an exception to America or to Europe or somewhere else. Globally, in the Western world, there's a labor shortage. And, and it's global. You, you don't go into any market that I visit, and I visit you know, all sorts of very diverse countries. Every single market has got a, a significant labor shortage. So then you ask, well, who's winning and how are they winning? And there's a simple formula, and it's the same formula in every single case. And it goes back to high volume mentality. The first thing is in a very tight labor market, you know, what are you paying your people? Are you actually you know, getting to the top end of the market to get people and getting the quality of people. So I can tell you that as we just acquired Malaysia and Singapore um, last week, and uh, the previous master franchise here, fantastic guy, Shantin, in the three months before settlement, he allowed us to do a lot of testing. And we were able, you know, what's the biggest problems in Malaysia and Singapore? You can't stop your stores. And Singapore, absolute crisis. Most stores, one, two, three drivers, if you're lucky. And so by paying more, We've been able to start the stores up. We've been able to take delivery times. To, and it goes in this cycle. You start with paying people more. You then get people in. Now you've got to retain them because you've got to be a great place to work. Well, how do you retain them? Training. There's an absolute correlation between how well someone is trained and how much they love the business. Because the higher their skills, the better they feel, and then they get attached. So, And especially if you then start even rewarding more training because – Someone who's really well-trained makes less mistakes and is far more productive. So why not pay them a little bit more because that's also worth keeping them rather than starting with somebody new. And then, then the third factor of that is now you're starting to fill your stores. Your delivery times are improving a lot. In our first test in, in Singapore, we took the delivery time from, let's carry 32 minutes, I think, down to 18 minutes. Now you start to see order count growth. You also can start um, charging a little bit more to the customer because now you're the only one in town delivering in under 20 minutes. Um, so why not 
pay you, you know, charge the customer a little bit more because they're getting the benefit and, and you'll find the sweet spot with that. And then through volume of orders plus getting a little bit more on your ticket, you cover those wages. And, of course, that's got to flow through to managers and in-stores. It's not just exclusively drivers once you start doing that. And I'll, you know, and I'll give you another example. So I just got an email this morning from our Malaysian CEO and he said, We've doubled our our every everywhere's um, renew much differently, but from two dollar fifty ringgit to five ringgit for per delivery, and then from seven ringgit to ten ringgit in wages. And there's two hundred and fifty stores in Malaysia. We've now only got forty six stores not staffed, and this has only been a few weeks. You know, so and and you know that those forty six stores are going to get staffed. And then so the natural question of every single franchisee listening to this is. Don, you're like the great Satan suggesting we should be paying more and knowing that managers are listening to this. But, you know, then you say, well, how is that playing out in the food and labour? And, you know, and that's why this cycle, it's, it's, a, it's a three package deal. You get more people, you train them really hard, you, um, you go hard up your delivery time. Don't happen on their own. You can start your store up and you still got the same delivery time because they're all still working in the old format. You've got to chase it down charge a little bit more. And, you know, my experience is that through leverage, um, like the first store in Singapore literally went up 50% and um, you get all that leverage back into to the business, right, from the fixed and semi-fixed costs, and we make a lot more money. Um, and Kerry's a living proof of that in the US, you know, with the Charleston Augusta stores. You know, what I think I like that you said best is a lot of people say the solution to the labor problem is pay more. That was your first part of the solution. So, so what I got out of what you just said, Don, was we got to pay them to get them in the door. Once we've got them in the door, we've got to train them. And once they're trained, we can grow the business. And then once the business is growing and we're doing well and we've lowered our delivery times, then we can start to charge more. And, and then that takes care of the paying them more. Drew and I have both been spending a lot of time in Salt Lake City with Mike Rompel. And Mike is huge on this whole mutually beneficial relationship. And he wants a mutually beneficial relationship with the customers as well, which means we're going to do our part, but you have to do your part as well, which is you've got to pay a fair value for what we're delivering, but we've got to do our part first. And I really like the way you put this. We got to pay them. We got to train them. We got to grow the business and then we can charge for something that's realistic. And I think sometimes we're, I think sometimes we're doing that backwards. We're raising our prices, hoping that we can then pay people and then nobody's going to buy pizza from us because our pizza is too expensive and we suck. We call this a better slice for everybody. Everybody should win, right? So let's go through that cycle. So you start with your team members. So they start getting paid more and, and straight away the manager's job's a lot easier. And in fact, there's even future managers walking the door because on high pay, you also get better quality people. But then also we then pay the managers a little bit more but before you know it, as the sales are starting to climb and we start chasing the volume, the profit goes up. So their bonuses go up as well. Then the franchisees also winning because now the profits are up. So the franchisees winning, the managers winning, the team members winning. Now the customers, they just, they're the ultimate people to decide because if they're not going to be buying more from you if it isn't better. So if they think that for an extra 50 cents or a dollar, um, it's worth 18 minute service, well, they're going to pay for it, right? And if they don't, then you've got to ask, okay, well, how do I still find the better slice for everybody here? Have I gone too far? You know, but if the customers are winning, team members are winning, managers are winning, franchisees are winning, I don't see a problem. I remember Carrie sending me a photo where she shows me the car park and all her managers have brand new cars, you know, Dodge Rams and Chargers and all this sort of stuff. Well, they're winning. Team right. members are getting paid two and a half times the market rate. We're buying houses now. 
Sales are up, customers winning. I don't see a problem here. Who's who's not winning? And then you remember, I, I tried to end it. Yeah. And Don says, I've got one more thing if you guys have more time. And we're both looking at each other going, yes, Don, we have more time for you. No, 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 we absolutely do not have time. This is a hard stop. Sorry, sir. We, we've got a hard stop. But then he went into the whole NPS and CSAT and the importance of food quality and how there's daylight in your CSAT if your food quality isn't where it needs to be. The thing I like best about that, it's not that, I mean, you know how passionate I am about product, but what I really liked about it, he does what a lot of great leaders do. And he said that if you'd have told me this a year ago, I would have said, no, I don't believe that. But once he saw the data, he did what good leaders do and he changed his position based on either changing facts or more facts. But holy cow, for me personally, I think that's my biggest growth in the last 10 years is that I'm not set in my ways. I'm pretty confident in the way that I do things. If somebody's got what they think is a better way, I want to see it. I want to hear their reasons. And then I want to go through and I want to evaluate whether or not it is better. I think that's what we've got to do if we want to continue to grow. I'm not even going to say anything more because we could go on for almost a whole episode on that. When I travel ever since May this year, there's two things. And I'll be doing this. I'm off to Taiwan tomorrow and then I'll be in Malaysia, Singapore over the next two weeks. And every time I'm in a store and every time I'm in a meeting, I'm going to talk about two things and they relate back to one thing. If, you would have, if I would have known this 30 years ago, DPE would be twice the size. And, and the two things is this, and, and I think because one of the things we do in Domino's is we can measure so many things that often there's charts on walls, we're talking to managers and here's the 12 things, you know, food, labor, um, load times, you know, rack times, out the door time. We've got so many things, right, that we just talk. Now, which one's the most important? And what, what I've learned in, in this year is that if you were to, at the end of the um, order, the customer rates our product out of five stars in our app. And if you would have told me a year ago that the difference between a 4.2 star product out of five and a 4.5 was daylight in the in NPS perspective, I would have said, that doesn't seem right to me. But actually, it is daylight. And so one of the things that we're obsessed with, if we're charging the customer, we've also got to execute, which is through training, but the customer needs to get that better service and they need to get that better product. And so the, the two things that drive NPS, which drive sales extraordinarily, is a product that's 4.5 stars or better and a delivery that's 18 minutes or less. Now, why is it not 21 minutes? Same with the product. At 4.2, you're basically averaging an eight, which means you're a neutral customer. In fact, if you've got product ratings and you go into um, into your uh, Pulse and have a look at your product ratings, if you're in the threes, you've probably even got detractors. But when you hit 4.5, you're now nine and everything above 4.5, you're now into the nine to 10. And we literally, in all markets, watch a J-curve. So when I go to the stores, we print out, show us your product skills and show us your NPS and show us your delivery times. Because, you know, Robert Gabbard had it right in the manual world if without all the data analysis or maybe he was doing his own data in the background. But at 18 minutes, it also goes into a J-curve straight north. And they're both linked because an 18-minute pizza is often a better pizza anyway. 
when we, we we have a club called 1845 now, which is, you know, 18 minutes and 4.5 or 1845. Because if you get those two things right, sales are extraordinary. So if you're trying to charge your customer more and wondering why your sales are negative right now, first two things I'd look at would be that delivery time and the product rating. And of course, then you're going to say, well, I can't staff myself. That's why my delivery time. So that's why it's high volume mentality, all the conversations we've just had. But the product is the other really big one. So we talked a little bit about staffing to, on this call. And that's going to really work hard to your delivery times. And that's what we've, we've been obsessed with for Domino's for so many years. But that product is the other really big one. It's, I'm just obsessed with it now because constantly I can go in the store and say, look at last week, you on this day, you had a 3.8 and look at your NPS, it's 10. And on this night, you were 4.6 on your product and your NPS is 60. Now, what happens when we go into stores where you're seeing 40 to 60 NPSs or some stores are 80, 90 NPS? Their sales are double digits. It's just such a huge learning. And if you think about it, I mean, it really makes sense. At Domino's Pizza, we're a restaurant. We serve food. The food has to be good. And people order food when they're hungry. So we should serve it fast. It's not rocket science that those two things are so important. And if we could get in a time machine and go back to 1960, Tom would say, make great food and deliver it fast and you'll be successful. And, you know, here we are 65 years later trying to convince the new generation that you should make great food and deliver it fast. And I love that you're obsessed on that. And I love that you said that. To me, those are the two most important things. Can you make good food and can you deliver it quickly? And, and what we have today, Tim, is we have with all of our technology in our stores and the customer feedback that's so constant. And we should be chasing some box toppers as well and so on to try and get more feedback so we know. Um, you know, like the old Frank Meeks, yes, no box toppers. As I said, the, the big interesting difference here that from what I used to know is, yeah, honey product was was so important, but 4.2 to 4.5 is is massively different. Yeah, it is. Because at that point, the average that the customer's rewarding you with is they're saying, now I'm a promoter. Once I give you an average of 4.5 or better, Domino's, you're doing a really good job and I really like you. That's the big breakthrough for me was, and, and even 18 minutes versus 20 minutes or 21 minutes. At 21 minutes, you're neutral. You don't dislike Domino's. It's good, but you're not a raving fan. You're not a promoter. Yeah. And if you want to drive your business, you've got to shift into that 18 or better, 44.5 and above. And, um, and, and I think that's the additional information that I learned this year that I'm now obsessed about. Let's go on to your next item and keep this ball moving. All right. We're going to keep this ball moving. I'm going to hit the third of my four Mount Rushmore franchisees. And I would say that this is the latest addition to my Mount Rushmore. And every time I have the opportunity to be with this franchisee, I learn something and my appreciation and respect grows deeper. And it doesn't matter if it's because he's a client at the time or we just happen to be in the same place and we're speaking to the same group. Uh, but this guy just gets it. And you weren't actually on this episode because I recorded this one live in Salt Lake City. No, you were there, weren't you? Nope. We were all there. No, you weren't. This is when you and I had scheduling issues and, and you just quick recorded one. I was on a plane or I was, I was on my uh, anniversary trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so this one we did in one of his houses in... Salt Lake City. It was episode number 63 back on October 31st of 2022. And 
the name of the episode appropriately was Aloha. Welcome to page one, where I get to sit down and speak with Mike Rompel. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we all go through these times in our careers when we're trying to decide whether we stay or we go. One of the things along the way I always learned is it's a great time to get into Domino's Pizza and it's a great time to get out of Domino's Pizza. You just have to figure out which one is right for you. And so I was kind of thinking I would retire. Uh, not that many years ago, I thought, you know what, I, I, I've done what I wanted to do and more beyond my wildest dreams. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, maybe I got 10 more years left in me. And so I was looking for a 10-year project. I don't know if we'll get it done in 10 years here, <laughs> but I definitely was intrigued by the opportunity. And I thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity for me to show a lot of my team that hadn't been there since the beginning and my own kids that haven't seen it since the beginning, what really is the Domino's business? It's not, you know, palm trees and beaches and everything they live now. There's a real side, a real gritty side to the Domino's business and repairing stores is how we got to where we are today. It's just a lot of them didn't see that. They just saw the expansion of these great new stores, and the expansion of this incredible team. They never saw it in its raw um, dominoes form. You know, I've been out here now for a couple of weeks and Drew is out here for, for 20 days. And I would say that, you know, if your team hasn't seen the raw dominoes, they're seeing it now. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think it's opened a lot of their eyes. It's definitely opened my eyes to really realize how awesome my team is. When you build it store by store, manager by manager, team member by team member, it's not as apparent as when you walk into a situation and go, this is not right. So I think I've, not only are they waking up to realizing how challenging it can be. I'm also waking up to realizing how awesome they are and, and that they, that they want to be here. That, you know, you would go from Hawaii 84 every day to snow last week. And our guys are freezing just like me. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. I think it says a lot about a lot of things. Um, and yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it's definitely uh, going to be eye-opening. So I think a lot of folks that, that listen to us, and thank you all for listening, are going through similar things that the team in Salt Lake City is going through now. Sometimes a lack of resources, and by that I mean skills that they need to do the job right or training or support. What I'm seeing a lot in these, in these stores is that they're really grateful for the things that you've provided. And when I say the things, I don't mean the new uniforms and the new hot bags and painting the stores like we've done. What I mean is the emotional support and the training. So as you come into a market like this, where there's just an enormous amount of opportunity, how do you prioritize what you're going to do to spend the little time that we have each and every day to fix what's so many opportunities out there to fix. And obviously we can't fix them all, 
how do you go about prioritizing that for the team and making sure that they are feeling like there's some wins in there every now and again? Yeah. So everybody in the business says the most important asset in their business is the people. And then we say that, and then we talk about everything else. Oh, the cost of this, the cost of that, the rising this, the rising that. I think after all these years and and this project in Salt Lake, part of the reason why I'm still in the business is because when my 12-year-old was 10, he said he wanted to inherit the Domino's business, right? So then that gave me another 10-year plan, 15-year plan, really, because he was 10 years old. And then I said, okay, he's going to have to learn it the right way. And we had accomplished everything I ever set out to accomplish in Hawaii and Domino's in life and everything. And then I said, well, what if I ran the business like I was a 10 year old who wanted to own the pizza business where nothing mattered except what was fun and cool about the pizza business in the eyes of a 10 year old instead of an old grumpy business person that may forget some of those things, right? And so when we talk about the people are the most important thing, when we make decisions, then we make those decisions based on, look, it's 32 degrees outside. What is most important to the people right now? We better order 500 knit caps, two for me and one for everybody else, right? And then, you know, just the jackets, you know, people are trying to determine whether or not, how will we charge the team for jackets? I'm just like, give me a jacket, please. And so I'm thinking, okay, they probably want a jacket also. And so just simple things of, you know, we, you and I are, are the lead delivery drivers right now for 21 stores. And so when you're out there delivering little things like a car with keyless entry is infinitely better than a car with a key. So let's get company cars that have keyless entry. Let's get handbags that have the pockets so you have somewhere to put the receipt. So we don't think about it in the sense of, okay, let's draw out this great business plan. And it starts with what's the most important asset, the people. Instead, we say, we are the people. We're living the life. What is most important to everybody else? Because it's most important to us right now, too. And so then, you know, we make decisions based on that and, and then where we are and then how do we just get better tomorrow? We always said in our business, our job, everyone in our company's job is to build a team that executes page one. We will field a team, the best team possible for today, looking to get better tomorrow, not looking to get perfect tomorrow. Look, we all know the standards. I mean, some of them I forgot or don't know because I've been in stores for a few years. You haven't forgotten, which is good. That's why you're here. And uh, so when I got to text you and say, hey, does Brooklyn get garlic oil? Because I don't know anymore. Um, though instead of being perfect, we just would get better tomorrow. And, and it's hard, right? It's, we, we, we've had that discussion about how hard it is for someone that knows the standards to not have the expectation of, well, I know what's perfect. How come you don't know what's perfect? And I just told you what's perfect. How come you can't be perfect tomorrow? It's a long journey, right? And so, you know, I think that's uh, that's kind of how we're approaching it. What's most important is what's most important to the team. 
we can roll out any plan, any operations book, any page one we want, but only the things the team buys into get done and they all don't buy in at the same level. And so we have to slowly walk down this journey. All right. So that's, uh, that's mine. I guess, I guess you're up big fella. Drew Helmholtz from Dexter, Michigan, officially on the clock. With the fourth selection in the Drew and Sam talk training draft, I would like to choose uh, episode 84. Episode 84. The Great Debate. Oh, nice. I like it. This is one of those ones where I think you and I have mentioned this now probably in half the episode since then. Now, some of it's tongue in cheek and some of it's not. And again, to let the listeners in a little bit, there wasn't a ton of show prep on this one. We just kind of went at it because we were having a brief discussion before. And, and I know how Sam feels about product. And I know how I feel about rolling into a store and just being like, watch us run 12 minute service now. And <laughs> my intention was to come out and say, neither is more important than the other. That if you've got great service and bad product, you still suck in the eyes of your customer. And if you've got great product and bad service, you still suck in the eyes of your customers. And if you got bad both, you're Papa John's. Wait, right? Negative 28 MPS, right? Yeah. At last sighting. That's where I wanted it to get to. The fact that I couldn't get you there subtly was amazing. And then for it to just continue on over the next couple episodes until uh, I think it was, uh, who was the person you just mentioned from your um, last episode? Um, that was the one time that I didn't actually hear him when I was in the same room. I believe Mike, while he was in Canada, said service matters more. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a chance that's true. Again, not what I was intending. The actual intent for the great debate episode. That you need both. I'm glad that it only took us like 14 more episodes to get to a place where I believe you finally said you need both. But that's why that's one of my top five. Now, wait one darn minute, young man. I'm pretty sure that at some point during that episode, I said that one of the problems with today's society is that we live in hyperbole. I would like to propose in our debate a one-to-one draw. 1.5 to 1.5. Still a draw. But okay, and you may remember in an earlier episode where Drew said, I'm the guy that always has to be right. 1.5 to 1.5, a draw. And I would also like to say that the reason that I'm willing to call it a draw, and I think the reason you're willing to call it a draw as well, is that anytime we're talking about what's more important than the other thing, if we do come to a point where one becomes more important than the other thing, we're not saying the other thing isn't important. No, I think actually what we've proven is that both of these are equally important. You can't create a great customer experience with bad service and great product. You can't create a great customer experience with bad product and great service. That's my number four on the clock for his fourth selection in the 2023 Drew and Sam talk training draft is Sam Fowler. And product does count more. They're equal. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to take you back to episode number 13. And episode number 13 dropped on June 28th of 2021. 
And this was the first of two episodes because he gave us so much time, we ended up splitting it up in two. But this is when we thought that, oh my gosh, we can get anybody on the podcast because former CEO and just darn nice guy, Patrick Doyle, spent some time with us. And, you know, without going back and looking at the raw audio and video, he just couldn't have been any more cordial and nice to us. No, it was super fun to talk to him that day. That episode for me was on my list, building this list. I have my five episodes and I had like on the outside looking in all eyes because I, I needed a couple because I don't want to double up. Although we could do a crossover, it's really useful in basketball. I, I didn't want to do that. And this was one of them getting Doyle on the whole story behind that too, with Dave telling him it didn't suck so bad. Everything about it was super cool. And that was the episode that we did clone yourself, which was one of the books that I built like three classes off of. That episode was, was huge. I've got to go back and look at that book because it's not sparking a lot of memories for me, but I do remember that we both really liked it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, and take a sift through that guy. Cause that, that was really good. The part about in the Patrick interview that I really, really liked was when he told us about the hardest transition in Domino's pizza. And I'm not going to remind the listeners what that was, because that's the clip I'm going to play. But uh, I thought that that was extremely important for people in that position to hear from a guy that was just a rock solid leader at Domino's pizza. I think people can generate very good numbers as a general manager in a store and still have a bad leadership style. It doesn't work when they become a district manager, when they're a supervisor of, you know, six or eight stores, it just doesn't work anymore. And the, and the reason for that is, you know, when I was running Team USA, I, I made some early mistakes and it's kind of what taught me this, which was, you know, if we needed a new district manager, fundamentally, the easiest thing to do was to look at the general manager who had the best numbers and promote them. Right. And it's like, okay, if they're doing a great job of running a, you know, one unit, they'll be able to teach everybody else how to, how to run their units as well. And the problem with that, and what I found out was there were some people who were running stores, getting great results, who for lack of a better term were bullies. They could run it very hard without engaging their team very effectively and get great results because all of those people were, you know, except when they were out on runs were, you know, were within 10 or 20 feet of them in the store. And so they were kind of control freaks and were telling everybody what to do and they could actually be effective with that. They could actually get good numbers. But the problem is when you become a, a supervisor and you're running a group of stores, you're not with those people most of the time. You've got to be developing people who are good leaders in their in their own right. And the physical distance means the old approach to your leadership just simply doesn't work anymore. If you're successful at that, I will tell you, I never made a mistake promoting the best supervisor to be a director of operations running 50 stores and having, you know, six, you know, or seven district managers reporting to them. It's the same skill set. It's super cool that that's the clip you picked because 
just kind of sums it all up right there, doesn't it? All right, mister. You're on the clock. So I mentioned outside looking in. So I don't know how to do this one correctly. So I'm just going to give you, let's say five, five episodes. I'm going to give you five episodes with this one. Because to your point of we could get anybody, we have author Richard Sheraton that came on. We have author Kevin Bacon that came on. We had oh, author yeah. Sardik Love that came on. Hang on one second. Let's sorry, just yes. back up a second. I was I was not there for the Kevin Bacon. Oh my god, did I say Kevin Bacon? That's amazing. You might have. The John Seven the John Degrees Newbacon, of Separation. Seven Degrees of Separation episode. Um Yeah, there you go. Richard Sheraton, John New Bacon. Sardik Love just the last episode. Um, we had some Tim McIntyre guy on and some Chris Brandon person on. To your point, people just say yes. It's kind of nice to know that there's good people. And yeah, it's been amazing. A couple of them aren't Domino's people and a couple of them are expatriates. It's good to know that we're not in a little tiny bubble. That folks from outside this yeah. weird place that you and I are, Sam, can still have an impact. John can come on here and talk to us. Oh my gosh, for like an hour when we had booked like 20 minutes with him and he just kept going. And Richard right. was the same way. Yeah. And, and Sardik yesterday yeah. couldn't have been, or last week couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. Sardik was amazing, dude. Good catch. It's just so cool when people say, say, yeah, sure. I'll come on. Yeah. So that's, that's my fifth one. You're going with a multiple, a multiple choice there. I like it. Wow. <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast. We on this episode of our podcast, Drew and Sam Talk Training, we welcome uh, world-renowned author John U. Bacon. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Sam and Drew and Lucas. Thanks for joining Drew and Sam Talk Training in today's fabulous episode. We're joined by Richard Sheridan. Richard, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be with you both. And in today's fabulous episode, we are joined by a Domino's expatriate. <laughs> that's right. Wow. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of pressure to make sure this is fabulous. And in today's episode, we are graced with the presence of an executive, ex-executive, ex-executive. It's another expatriate. I know. We do expatriates a lot, actually. It's kind of fun. Well, it's the only time they'll talk to us. It is actually the only time. That's fine. Uh, Mr. Tim McIntyre, how are you doing? I'm fabulous. How are you, Drew? <laughs> Fantastic. Today, our guest on this episode is Sardik Love. He is co-author of the fabulous book, Presentation Essentials, the tools you need to captivate your audience, deliver your story, and make your message memorable. Sardik, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic, Drew. I cannot complain. So I've got more than one left. So I'm going to have some honorable mentions. And if you do too, because it's Drew and Sam talk training, I'm going to leverage my 50% ownership of this podcast and say you can put some into. I believe I just did that with my last one because I gave five episodes for my fifth. Oh, yeah. you kind of yeah, did. I had a lot of OIs outside looking in. Oh, wow. A TLA. OMG. WTH. If you're a sports person and you're listening, it's from a different podcast. I'm not going to mention it. You can you can mention it on on the socials. Nice. So my fifth one is a guy that I've grown 
more and more respect for every time I'm with this cat as well. Uh, I've had the opportunity to share the stage with him now four times. Going to share the stage with him again in September. Really, I couldn't believe you you would say that nice that nice thing about me, Sam. Thank you so much, Drew. I think you'd be surprised how many nice things I say about you. It's <laughs> fair. I'm kind I, of a I, fan. I appreciate that. It, it's mutual, completely mutual. All right, continue on. So um, this guy, if I'm being honest, and I think I will be, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody connect with a group of Domino's Pizza General Managers better than this guy. Never, ever. He's in a league of his own when it comes to connecting with pizza people. And so when he gets on our podcast, and says things like, we need to rehumanize the Domino's experience. We should listen. Because Jeremy Hill is just doing an amazing job for Art and Marty down in Springfield, Missouri. And he is a director of operations. He is a former national supervisor of the year. And he was kind enough to join us on episode number 17 back in August of 2021 and uh jeremy has joined me a couple of times for t3 amazing job as a coach his ability to motivate a team to drive team culture and to get things done when it comes to domino's pizza is right up there in the top echelon and jeremy if you're listening and i know you are i appreciate you to death brother you are you are domino's pizza that is absolutely correct. All right. You ready uh, for my honorable mentions? Sure. Fire away. So I wasn't sure I wanted to go this direction, um, but now I'm sure. Okay. And this was another person that we got on the podcast that I was really surprised said yes, because he's still a busy guy. And he told us, about something that I think is just amazing. And it's a sound clip I'm going to drop from him as he joined us from his apartment with a three-story library. And that's former CEO Dave Brandon. I'm not going to tell you what he said because I'm just going to let you listen to it. But I thought it was spot on. And I think it's something that we all need to keep in mind, especially as leaders. Because when we talk about the Kevin Shaw's of the world and we talk about books like the energy bus i think what dave had to say leads right into that and how we can escort ourselves off the energy bus or not be the leaders that people need us to be i'm going to share that sound clip with you now you know i've said many times the the largest fraternity in the world is the fellowship of the miserable and the Fellowship of the Miserable, that fraternity, they wake up every day and all they focus on and think about is how hard life is and how somebody's, you know, screw them out, screwing them out of something and how they deserve something better than they have. And there are a lot of card-carrying members of the Fellowship of the Miserable that if you surround yourself with them and you listen to them and you buy into what they're selling, very quickly, you're going to become a part of their fraternity. And my advice to my kids, my advice to people that I mentor, my advice to people who are living through these difficult times is don't allow this 
to become a recruiting mechanism into the fellowship of the miserable. That's cool. Two episodes there. And again, the, the amount of time he gave us was just nuts. And it was just kind of fun to talk, talk to him, reminisce a little bit. Really nice when we get folks like that in the pod. You know, I guess the big question though is, is he still a puppy pusher? Oh, he's totally still a puppy pusher. You know, he's still a puppy pusher. If you want the insight into that, you're going to have to listen to the the entire episode. And that was um, 10 and 11, if you're looking on the Google. I think the other thing that he talked about in episode 11 that was amazing um, was knocking down silos. So that's that's my five and a couple and an honorable mention. Uh, any others you want to hit before we we close this thing out? No, I think it's I think that's plenty for our listeners to go back and listen to if the sound clip so takes them that way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Drew, I, you know, I've said it a couple of times before, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say it on this century episode. Thanks so much for going on the journey with me and uh, saying yes after you proposed to doing a podcast on Facebook and asking people for help. And I said, that seems like a good idea. Let me join. It's been amazing. And for me, not only for the podcast, but for the friendship I think we've created over the last couple of years. And is it being, no, just <laughs> and, you know, being consultants, one man show, it's nice to have somebody to talk to that is experiencing similar highs and similar lows. So, so thanks, man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Dude, my pleasure. Like I said, in the very beginning, when I put this out, we're in the middle of the pandemic and it was just one of those, like, I don't know what this whole podcast thing is, but it seems like there could be something there. Glad you said yes, because hundred episodes later and we should be episodes. right near 50,000 downloads when this hits. We yeah, might and cross it as this one drops. And, and now we're not just doing podcasts. We're doing live training together, yeah. which if the feedback from the training was any uh, evidence whatsoever, then the fact that two of the franchisees have already reached out to us individually to come back, um, you know, that's pretty cool. So yep. go, go to train with BTY.com and check out ice, 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 baby in Ann Arbor and coming to Tampa as well. I don't have the dates in front of me, but go to train with BTY.com, get the information, get to it. And I think you will be very, very happy you did. And with that, this has been episode 100 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. If you have not already done so, like us, follow us, subscribe, tell your friends, share it on social media, let everybody know how cool this is. And maybe we'll send a pen too. And I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. And as always, gang, go out and sell more pizza. And have more fun. Bye-bye. Woo, Sam.